This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're you're tuned into It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. The top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, how you doing? You know, as we talked off air, I'm in the middle of a heated Mario Party battle with my fiance, so I'm a little stressed. But uh, other than that, good. That's pretty intense. Was that something that you guys got for Christmas? Yeah, that, that was actually from uh, her parents got us the new Mario, I think it's new Mario Party. Either way. Very right. fun so far. Just uh, we'll see if I'm raging at the end of this or if it, if it works out, but... Either way, the pod won't know. A nice little pod break uh, before you battle out to see who the real winner is in this game. So keep everybody updated, all the podcast listeners, and then over on social media, you can put it out there. Lots to talk about with this Bengals team. We obviously had a couple days break. We didn't know if you guys were going to listen to the pod on Christmas morning. So we had a delay on the post-game podcast, but we're still here to deliver. So we're going to back it up just a little bit to Saturday's game. It was wild. 22 to 18. I'm going to start right now with the first half. You go out and it looks like, man, this team is dominating right now. And yes, the Patriots are having kind of an annoying year for them. They're not really producing on offense, but they have a really good defense. And it's Bill Belichick in December. But Joe Burrow, I just want to start with his first half alone. That guy was just connecting and cooking. What did you think of Joe overall in the first half on Saturday? Goodness, I had to go back and watch some of this because I was actually on the way to a family Christmas thing on Christmas Eve and uh, the whole thing, reason why we're a little bit late, but uh, yeah. So I listened to Dave, Dave Lapham and Dan Horde do the radio because you know, I heard radio type thing and uh, sounded great. And I watched it. It looked great, but uh, I thought I missed like the, the game because I got there and it was like, what? 12. Cause he, Evan missed both extra points. We'll go over that. Uh, well, he missed an extra point, and then they went for two, I guess. But 12 to uh, 12-0, and uh, they're in the red zone ready to score again. And I was like, oh, did I just miss, like, this entire game? And watched the rest of it. Got re- way too stressful. Um, I thought Joe Burrow was really good, though. And it sucks he had another multi-turnover game, and I think there's reason to believe neither one of those turnovers were – his fault uh one the tyler boyd one definitely just miscommunication type thing i think boyd wanted to sit there burrow wanted him to keep moving and the ball goes to the defender that's you know option routes are all prevalent throughout the nfl this isn't a Bengals thing but you know that's just what can happen on those option routes is two guys three different things and the other one i think burrow wanted back shoulder to chase it was uh, a go against blitz which is awesome that's a great way to beat it the corner stayed over the top by the time Burrow was throwing it because he's heated up. He's got to get that ball out within second and a half, two seconds. So he throws it up a little bit of a duck because he's off his back foot trying to get away from pressure. But he throws it back shoulder and chases. He wants a touchdown. So he kept running. Um, and that's how you get a pick six because he's not even there to play defense on that ball. Usually you don't see that mind meld not working. But I thought Chase actually didn't have a great game but the offense still hummed and uh, T Higgins was really, to me, the only way to even have a great game. Although Trent Irwin was good. I, if he came down with that third touchdown, because hit him in the hands, I think he also lost it a little bit in the, uh, in the air, or at least misjudged it a tiny bit. So there's a little bit of blame for him uh, for the Bengals not scoring a touchdown there. But uh, other than that, I, I, I thought Burrow was really good and it just, it, the stats don't show it as much as they should. 
Yeah, I think if you were anybody who just saw that, oh, Joe Burrow had a pick six and then he had another interception, you were to think like you would have thought like, oh, maybe, maybe Joe didn't have the best game. But if you watch the game, you know, that wasn't the case. Um, and, and it was a little surprising. There are a couple of things I want to go to the pick six first and then we'll go back to the Tyler Boyd interception, even though the Tyler Boyd interception happened before the pick six. What's surprising about that is it felt like the miscommunication with him and Jamar. And that's just something we don't see often. And I agree with you. It looked like Jamar was going for nothing but the end zone. And the thing about that drive, they could have punted there. I mean, not punted at that on that drive right there, but they could have punted during that drive of the series. And that game wouldn't have come down to the defense having to kind of bail the game out a little bit at the end of the game because they were in control of it. And I felt like they were kind of playing a little conservative to start the second half. And, you know, they're up 22. They have things handled. Defense is going to have this under control. I almost thought it was going to be a shutout at one point, just with the way they were playing. But the Patriots defense scores points. And that's just one thing about them. So a turnover was bound to happen. Or, you know, I, I guess my biggest thing was I was a little surprised with, with, with Jamar Chase, the miscommunication, the Jamar Chase fumble that we did see in the second half. And um, and I don't want Joe Burrow to ever run after a pick six ever again. I know Samaj P. Ryan actually went into his back and he had to go into the injury tent. Um, he's going to be okay as of now, but at the same time, just let him run. If you are the quarterback, let him run. And don't even move after them because that's how you can get lit up by uh, the defense blocking. And they want to hit you. Like That's not a dirty thing. But those defenders, they want to hit the quarterback. Like, like That's their whole personality of the D-line. If you're a defensive lineman, your whole personality is, I like to kill quarterbacks type thing. You know, Miles Garrett's got a graveyard of quarterbacks and headstones. He's not trying to play dirty, but if given a legal opportunity, he's going to hit him. And so don't even go after the guy. Just stand there, watch. <laughs> and then when it's over, go walk off to the sideline. I know it sucks. I, I don't know. It's so easy for me to say that, but if I'm a quarterback and I throw a pick like that, I, you know, you want to a help your team and go, you know, say, you know, I'm going to go make the tackle, make everything right from my mistake. And then B I'd also just be mad. And I want to hit somebody <laughs> like, Oh, pick, come on, Jamar, turn around or something. You know, <laughs> you run after trying to take out some anger. Um, but Either way, uh, I, I wish Burrow wouldn't go after those guys, although he has done that a few times now. Um, at least this time, uh, I guess he ran into P. Ryan, but I wasn't overly worried about him being injured from that, although he did come in hot. He came in flying off the sideline. And also, just just a real quick go over that stupid video from the Patriots fan about how Burrow went after uh, his knees is the same thing that Mac Jones trying to dive at Eli no. Apple's knee. No, first of all, Mac Jones isn't blocking. He's the defender on that play. So stopping and trying to take out Apple's knees is just out of the realm of a football play. Think of that like the basketball flagrant two is when it's not even a basketball play. That's not a football play to go after somebody's knees there. It's not a cut block. He's also far away. You're not trading one for one. You go after the guy with the ball, which is what Burrow did. He tried to make a tackle on a guy with the ball. He's a quarterback. Sorry, he's not you know wrapping up at the hips and driving his feet. He's just trying to take him out. He's not trying to take out his leg, his knees. He's just trying to take him out from underneath the same way corners always tackle these big guys. So that's all that was. I just wanted to real quick go over that because it was the stupidest thing I saw this weekend. There's a lot I want to get to with the Mac Jones thing. I'm going to move that to the next segment. Uh, kind of going back to Tyler Boyd, I know that obviously he's coming off of this injury. He had the surgery on his finger, and he still played last week in Tampa. He was sitting on the sideline for a couple plays, and then he obviously went back out there. I know it's cold weather. All these players are playing in the cold weather, so I hate that excuse. But it just seemed like Tyler Boyd was – was having a, a little bit of an off day too when it comes to the wide receivers. I was just a little surprised with with what it looked like out there. Yeah. Um you know, it's just it happens. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, just, just one of those days for them. And and the thing is I'm, they're gonna be fine. I truly believe Tyler Yeah, Bull that's the thing is that these guys, it's not like these are guys I'm at all worried about. It's just yeah. That's what I was saying at the beginning. It's just it's impressive how good the offense looked when two of the best wide receivers on the team are looking like doo-doo. <laughs> and T. Higgins looked awesome. Like I, I was I felt Nostradamus like I did it based off what I watched, but I was just like, this feels like a T. Higgins game. And then uh whew, he hit that in the first quarter. 
Were you a little surprised? And then obviously we'll get more into the tape tomorrow on tomorrow's podcast. Were you a little surprised they didn't go to T a little more often in the end zone? Yeah, I think so. Um, the Patriots corners are small, first of all, but I think they're all under six feet. Uh, I know Marcus Jones is like five foot nine. So that's an easy one to whoever's on him, throw the ball up. But he was doing such a good job of boxing these guys out and just, you know, being that dude. I was a little bit surprised. I also, I don't know. I, I, he was so good in that first quarter. I want to see what the Patriots defense did differently. Like, did they just start putting a safety over him or, you know, Chase wasn't having that game. So I feel like they were giving him a lot of respect, but I don't know. Cause Chase also just had a bad game. Uh, so I, it's something you have to go back and watch, but I'll say I was surprised. We didn't get like, I know people don't love the goal line fade play. If that corner is five foot nine, yeah, the goal line fade should be a 70, 30, 80, 20 ball for T. I was a little bit surprised that they didn't go to him more often, but they won. The offense was humming for the most part. I actually, you know who else? I don't want to rag on it too much, but this was one of those games that P. Ryan didn't really have a good game either. And no. then if, but Mixon did. I thought he had a pretty good game. So they at least say that's the. It'll swing the other way sometimes, but that's the fun and good part of having the, you know, the two running backs that can handle the load. One guy starts, you know, falling off a little bit in this game. He's just whatever's going on. The other guy can handle the majority of the load, which is what happened. But I was a little bit surprised because Piran has been so reliable that he also didn't have. It just felt like there was just, what, three? Jonah didn't have a good game. Four, four guys that didn't really have a good game on offense. Starters, uh, well, at least plays a lot of snaps. Piran's not a starter, but you know, four guys that play a lot of snaps for this offense didn't have a good game. And the offense still was humming for the most part. They only scored 22, uh, but they were moving the ball really well. And the, it felt like they should have scored more, just the inopportune drops and turnovers and misses from McPherson just turned it into them scoring less than they should have. And sometimes the variance luck will swing that way and sometimes it'll swing in your favor but this game they won despite some unlucky uh bounces of the ball yeah we haven't even gotten to the uh defensive side yet and just the craziness of the second half for them but i'm going to stay with the wide receivers trent Irwin obviously could have had three touchdowns which would have been absolutely insane but he's still showing up big for this team um you know we talked about it before at the trade deadline all these people wanting all these wide receivers and big time contracts that they would have to pay in 2023 and this team has really felt that they had something in trent Irwin and maybe trent taylor at times but obviously they feel more highly about trent Irwin, what he can do out there and he's a taller receiver i think a lot of people think this guy is really small and maybe they keep calling him edelman that's not fair he's not the trent taylor would be the uh what, what's trent taylor's size before i say that trent taylor would be the edelman though he's a, yeah five foot eight trent taylor's five foot eight i don't know if they're confusing him and irwin because irwin is six foot two they, I, they don't that that's how you see the difference irwin's tall <laughs> you know he's what the second tallest receiver at least that plays a lot of snaps. It's T at six four, and then you got Chase at like six foot. I don't think. Oh man, Tyler Chase Boyd is barely at six foot, but he's there. He's. he's I he's, agree. Yeah, Chase. Chase is six foot in shoes. Okay, Tyler Boyd is also six foot two. But you know, Trent Irwin is not a Julian Edelman type. He's an outside receiver. That, that's that's what's cool about finding him is that it's hard to find those outside receivers. He can play a little slot, but you know he's. He stuck him. He was put in Chase's spot. He wasn't put in Tyler Boyd's spot when uh, Chase missed time. And it was cool that they found that guy because Mike Thomas was not that guy this year. So, yeah, respect Trent Irwin's height and stop calling him Edelman. He's more of a well, Eric Decker, I think, was taller. I'm going to look that up. But, uh, but but at the same time, I mean, you think of a guy like this and and obviously you want they wanted Jamar Chase out there when he was he was not playing. They went three and one without him. And then that connection with Trent Irwin and Joe Burrow, I feel like it's really paying off at a great time when you think about the January, maybe February game with this offense, because if you're a defensive coordinator and health is the biggest thing, there's still two regular season games to go and to be determined if they'll get that first round by or not, but they're, they're getting close to the passenger seat right now. Um, it's exciting. Uh, final two weeks of regular season. You have these guys. How do you defend them? You get Jamar Chase out there. You get T Higgins, you get Tyler Boyd. Maybe your running game can stay balanced and Smaj P Ryan, Joe Mixon can pick each other up each week. You get Trent Irwin out there too. And you're like, who am I supposed to defend? Maybe Hayden Hurst is back for Buffalo. And then Mitch Wilcox 
has showed up at some key times for some some catches out there with this offense. Joe Burrow knows how to get guys paid and and to get them to produce. And I think this is just the beginning of what we're going to see in Joe Burrow's career. Yes, I know Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins are great wide receivers. But these guys are showing up, too, when they really needed them to uh, in the middle of the season. Eric Decker, six foot three. Just want to let the people know. I know they're waiting at the edge of their seat like I was. But if, you want, if you're making if you're making the uh, the white receiver comp, it's Eric Decker, not Julian Edelman. Okay, so let's do Trent Irwin, Eric Decker, rather than Trent Irwin, Julian Edelman type thing. It's just surprisingly tall and can play outside, and I think that's. After we get off this podcast, I'm going to search to see if anybody put the same uh, names in one tweet, and I'm just going to say I'm going to use that Eric Decker, Trent Irwin are only an inch. <laughs> off of height yeah edelman's 510 like that's but people i don't know what it is they they look at him they're like no, oh, it's it's they, you know what it is i think it's because they're like burrow to brady brady to edelman type thing what about burrow to manning manning the decker huh what why are we just doing yeah. this <laughs> my mind is kind of blown right now that you said eric decker is only an inch taller than trent nerlin i i think how tall do you think he was i i thought was like eric decker was i thought eric decker would probably be six four Wow. You thought, oh man, that would be too, I guess six or three is one inch off, but yeah. That... <laughs> we really need someone to go out and get the, get the facts right now. I need to know. Well, how tall is Brandon Marshall? Cause him and Eric Decker, what I think of together, actually not even Eric Decker in uh, Brandon Marshall was huge though. Six, five. You, you thought it was six, four, six, five out there for the jets. I mean, that, <laughs> that'd be pretty sick. I mean, six, three, six, five is huge, but six, four, but six, five. I'm thinking five of Eric Decker with the Broncos and maybe he was taller, but maybe I felt he was taller. <laughs> he lost some height. <laughs> Took a knee injury and chopped off a little shin bone. I'm going to be completely honest. I never thought we were going to be talking Eric Decker, Brandon Marshall on the podcast today, but hey. One of the most I, underrated wide receiver duos of all time. I love that. Uh, I love that team. With Fitzpatrick just throwing moon balls to those guys. That was really fun. I, I It's funny you say that because I always think of Decker with Denver versus the Jets, but he was with the Jets. So that's that's my bad. I don't know why the connection is more with with the Broncos. So much going on in Broncos land. Maybe that's what it is today. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. You know, things are going really well in, in December, almost January for the Bengals when we're talking about just some random receivers who used to play in the NFL. Uh, but but all good. Oh, it's it's the best, though. You know, <laughs> you just go remember Eric Decker and then we could just talk about Eric Decker for like, <laughs> like oh, okay. we got two more podcasts this week. We got plenty of content. <laughs> Uh, we just need another another segment on Eric Decker, but no, plenty to get to. I actually want to talk about the Evan McPherson, the defense, and this is positive. I hope that didn't sound too negative on my end of how kind of the first half went. Joe Burrow had himself a game, and I hope people realize, um, you know, he's not out of any MVP conversation, even though Patrick Mahomes currently does lead it, and that all makes sense. We'll move on next to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Talked about the offense, talked Joe Burrow, talked height, trained everyone, gave him respect, put some respect on his name. I will be fighting the good fight on that. Uh, definitely showing up another one for this team at a really great time late in December. Next game, January 2nd, the Buffalo Bills Monday Night Football, but we'll have all of that and more later this week. Let's talk Evan McPherson before we get to the defense. Um, it's kind of crazy because I was listening to Paul Daner and Jay Morrison, and they were talking about when Evan McPherson kicks 50-plus, he's one of the most accurate, accurate kickers in the NFL, and that's mind-blowing. But I almost feel better when Evan's kicking far away than when he's doing an extra point. And that's a little scary at this point in the season because he won a lot of playoff games. I know the defense definitely helped too, but helped win a lot of playoff games at the end of the game. You think of overtime, you think of his leg, you think of extra points. And that was very helpful this time last year. And now he's missing. I know again, a lot of kickers in the NFL, I felt this past weekend, missed some of those extra points. They weren't looking too hot, whether it could be a concern. It was cold out there. He does have Drew Chrisman out there. Um, you think of the different changes from this year, from last year, not having Clark Harris, not having Kevin Huber. Is there concern with Evan McPherson right now? I will say to start, uh, uncanny from 50 plus, 80. 7.5% over his two seasons, regular seasons. Uh, that doesn't even include the playoffs where he went three of three. So, oh man, 
probably around 90%, which is where he is at extra points this year. You want that to be higher, but you also have to think back and he missed an extra point because of the change in long snapper. But, you know, you don't want to just give him all the breaks in the world either. That would move him up, but is what it is. 95.8% on extra points last year. You want it to improve, but, you know, it's just, I don't know. You kind of live with that. Where he actually has the struggle for me is 40 to 49 yards. Last year in the regular season, he was uh, six of nine. This year, he's nine of 13, which if you're me and want to know percentages, that's 69% this year. And last year would be 66%. So he is 90 plus percent from 50 plus uh, if you include the postseason. And then you're just doing regular season for 40, 49, and he's like 67% from there. And we're now two years in. So this is getting to be a real sample size. That's the one that concerns me. When he goes out, I, the extra points, whatever. He's missed a few, but I still think he's going to nail those every time he goes out and he nails like every short field goal. It's that when it's not 50 plus and it's not like 30 yards when it's that 40 to 49 range that's where for whatever reason he seems to just not hit those and that's where i want to see the improvement in his game this game still didn't make me that worried about him it seemed like all the special teams units patriots Bengals, both were having some issues so i i know i didn't see the flags moving with wind but i could swear i could see the ball a little bit sometimes maybe it was just weird wind sometimes that's worse than uh when you have you know sustained high winds is when you get like weird burst winds you can't feel which way it's blowing that's what happened in the packers game from what i understand i'm not a special teams expert though so like i'm just going off what i hear and what i see a little bit uh i'm sure there's people that are a little bit more qualified to talk about that but yeah sometimes that weird win where you don't know which way the gust is coming or sometimes you're getting gusts and then nothing and then you kind of kick it thinking oh the gust is blowing to the right so i'm going to try to hug it left and then you end up pulling it left or something like that but I'm still not overly concerned. He's still a good kicker, I think, this season at least, uh, has proven so far that he is not yet the Justin Tucker that we were hoping for, but he's still a very good kicker. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I, I think things are going to be fine with Evan McPherson. And one of the things, you know, he was talked about. He talked about it after the game that he didn't feel like it was weather or anything like that. I think there's still an adjustment with new pieces uh, this season, and and it it might take a whole regular season before everything is comfortable and and maybe smooth sailing in January. You know, you you hope that's the case and that doesn't cause them to lose any games uh, because of a missed kick or anything like that because everybody remembers week one. And if they had that win from week one, um, they'd be looking really great right now when it comes to the number one seed. But they still they would control their own destiny, but we don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. We we did it. We did probably say that, you know, we might look back on that game and and I feel like I do every week when I think of uh, them being in the driver's seat. But hey, what's crazy about Monday night football and you get to watch Sunday night football with the Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers, say the Steelers win. And Cincinnati wins a Monday Night Football. They're putting on the hats. They're putting on the T-shirts. And they move to the two seed. And if the Kansas City Chiefs lose, too, which I don't see that happening this week against the Denver Broncos. But, hey, coaching change, you never know. Could be craziness in uh, Denver. With, <laughs> oh, boy. With, I'm, no, I'm wishful thinking. But uh, but it's actually very, it's really exciting when you think about the Sunday slate and what that Monday Night Football game could mean. And it's absolutely wild to think they could have those AFC North T-shirts just hanging out at Paycor. And maybe they get to open those boxes after uh, Monday Night Football win, which will be huge. And I can't wait to talk about that later this week. Let's move to defense because this defense is unbelievable. There were points, certain points in this game, pretty much down to the last minute that I thought. And I, I've never had this mindset because I think it's absolutely crazy to think this way. A lot of people, Tony Romo brought it up in the AFC Championship game. Let them score, yeah. Score. It's never my mindset. I never want them to score. Never. Never. And I could never see a coach, and maybe I'm wrong in the NFL if I've ever seen this before. I've never heard them once say, let them score because we need the ball back. Um, We don't have any more timeouts. I saw the Browns do it once. I think that's the only time is they're facing the Chargers, and the defender actually pulled the ball carrier into the goal line so that he'd score, and the Browns get another shot on offense. Browns lost that game from what I remember, but I've seen it, but it is rare. 
Yeah. It's something that I don't think Lou is ever going to tell his defense. No. And it's kind of wild. I don't know if you had this mindset because it was everything leading up to that was insane. The Hail Mary, uh, obviously the pick six that got them on the board and everything was just kind of rolling in their direction. Chase fumbles the ball. And oh. I mean, it's just like, this isn't happening. This isn't happening right now. Uh, again, another game we would have looked back on and be like, how did you lose that game when you're up 22? They would have been, there would have been a lot of criticism if they would have lost that game after being up, but defense, they just find a way. It's absolutely unbelievable. I know Lou's not out there, but for them to work on that play, Von Bell, BJ Hill, to get the ball, even though I kind of want to back it up before I get too much into this, the Jermaine Pratt fumble, was that a fumble or not? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I see the case for both, right? If it was me biased, I'd say it was a fumble. It looked like an open hand, but it is the ball going forward and he did push it forward, I guess. Like on one hand, it's the borderline call that just whatever they call on the field is probably what's going to stay. But like, say there's a running back sitting there and he catches that. That's probably ruled a pass, right? It's not ruled a fumble recovery. So I get it, but I also get the guy had no control of the ball as he pushed it forward. It's like the ball came out and he's kind of palmed it, but I don't know. Look, I've, I've seen things that were closer ruled fumbles. And I've seen things that were worse, not real fun. It's in that gray area where we have uh, the officials just kind of call it on the field and whatever they call kind of stands. So you kind of wish they just let Pratt run that in and then rule it a fumble and then try to go back and say, was this actually a pass? Maybe that goes the other way because it's – it's like that guilty until prove or uh, innocent until proven guilty type thing. You have to prove the other thing happened. So whatever they rule on the field is what it is. And then can you prove that the other thing happened? At least, you know, I don't think it's without a reasonable doubt. To, it's not the law, but it is just like, can you prove that happened? Like it's, it's like when we see fumble recoveries and then you just see a massive pile up and you're like, well, we can't prove the other way. So it just stands that way. So whatever they call in the field is probably what's going to stand. Kind of sucks. And it was a turning point, not a turning point, but it, it was just a huge blow in the game to not get that fumble recovery for a touchdown. But I assume you thought it was a fumble. I mean, I'm so biased. You know, I can't stand the <laughs> Um, But I agree with you when they call it one way, like say if something is a catch and then a, another team challenges it and says it wasn't a catch, they rarely overturn it. Rarely. Um, I think of it like a 50, 50 plays now become 55 45 or 60 40 in favor of what was called on the field so it's just it leans that way a little bit they could have called it a fumble i wouldn't have been shocked or anything yeah but when they start reviewing it i just immediately think well it's probably going to stand but we'll see what happens I was pretty bummed for Jermaine just because he's having yeah. such a great season. There's so many things to highlight, Jermaine. I, I tweeted it out earlier this week. You go back to the Raiders game and obviously getting the interception. Uh, the Tom Brady pick from last week, you can say the Travis Kelsey stealing the ball from him really helped secure that win. And just to have that moment, I was like, oh, man, add it to Jermaine's resume. He's having himself a season. And I just kind of felt bad for him and if they would have lost we'd have definitely look back on that and thought oh my goodness that could have oh, been that would have been probably unbearable <laughs> to yeah. listen to Watching uh, that and Eli Apple takes a hit to the knees for no reason since that play didn't matter but you know we don't need to keep talking about it I no we should okay yeah Mac Jones surprisingly I think NFL players are starting to say he's dirty too uh Blake Jewell hopefully friend of the pod posted the clip and said like Mac Jones need a fine or suspension type thing. You know, this is a dirty play. And then Micah Parsons and Kayvon Thibodeau retweeted. And I see other former players kind of talking about like, you need to watch Mac type thing. And then I remember, and I still haven't seen anybody post it. He got that unnecessary roughness after the fumble. Like, was that him throwing a punch type thing was that just him shoving around you know really trying to wrestle for that ball I don't know but all I know is out of all the quarterback I saw him also slide into uh the nether regions of a safety uh, on Monday night football that was also a dirty play but you know I'm not saying he's a dirty player he's just building a resume and that's something I'm watching as uh the Bengals I don't remember if they have to play him they won't play him next year because they just played the AFC East. 
So at least I don't have to play them next year, provided the Patriots don't finish at the same division spot as the Bengals, which we're hoping Bengals finish first. So <laughs> hopefully not. Uh, but yeah, just something I'm watching, just something I'm just kind of like making a little note of. There's been like three plays this year that Mac Jones has been the center piece of uh, possibly a dirty play. And also when I finally do get to go back and watch, because I think uh, whoever uploads the film took uh, the Christmas break as well. <laughs> uh, whenever I do get to go back and watch, I think I'm going to watch that play. I'm not skipping at all. I'm trying to see that fumble recovery. Okay. Can I see what num- number 10, I believe this is number, n- number 10 did after the play to get the flag or was it just like the entire team shoving and they just threw the flag on somebody? i I don't know. They didn't show it on broadcast. They didn't replay it at all. Yeah, I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. I when I when you see it, you're like, oh my goodness, he really just took Eli Apple out. And then, like you mentioned, when you hear former or current NFL players retweet the clip, there are broadcasters on ESPN, Marcus Fears, and other ones who quote tweet it and just say, "This is dirty." There was a highlight tape of all those dirty plays. And yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> I'm like, whoa! I guess I never. I mean, you hear. I forgot he twisted Brian Burns' ankle last year. Like yes. that's that's another one that's just like that you can't you're you're on camera and like what how do you spin that like the, both this and the Eli Apple play I don't know how you spin it any other way than I went after that guy and tried to at, at best you're saying I tried to you know knock him down or something like that but you know when you're falling down right at somebody's legs and you're you know twisting around somebody's ankle as Bengals fans know with the whole perfect ankle mm-hmm. twisting gait uh, that is not looked on favorably by any former NFL player. He was asked about its name uh, and he had said that he, he kind of just fell down over uh, near him. Uh, just both legs gave out of a healthy 25 year old man running. <laughs> yeah, this just kind of kind of happened. That was um that was in the quote it kind of happened. And it, it, it kind of happened, you know. I, like, I kind of fell at his knees. <laughs> I would just say, you know, that's an unfortunate play. There's really you could really work on what you were going to say in that response. I tripped. All I have to say is I tripped. What do you mean your legs gave out? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just his his you just see in social media, I think um really speaks volumes of of things that he has done in the past. And the thing that I thought was crazy is Ian Rappaport tweeted out today that he's not going to get suspended, but the NFL is reviewing it. How long does it take you to review that before they want to give a fine? They well, I wonder fines. if they're reviewing or is our fine set or is it based off of the play? That's a really good question. That is one I don't know. But that could be why they're reviewing it again. My question yeah. is, they find people for spiking a ball into the stands <laughs> or their socks are too high or they're not the right color. And they got to go back and review and review and review this. It's just wild um, the way fines work in the NFL. But, yeah, that was unfortunate. Uh, I know Eli gets a bad rap. Um, I know how people feel about him and stuff like that on social media. But you you can't do that to a player. Uh, that's not cool at all. And, um, you know, I just I, I don't like that a, a bit. But other people just kind of speaking up about it just shows that uh, that's not OK. And hopefully that doesn't happen again. Stop hurting players. Let them play the game. Don't make tackles like that if you're a quarterback or anybody. You should have done what we were saying Burrow should have done. Just stand there and watch. Like, yeah, you know, that was after. Him. Yeah, that was that was dumb on his part to, to make that play. Uh, not Joe Burrow, but but Mac Jones. Uh, if you're gonna, you're gonna put yourself in a situation where you could get knocked out and get hurt or injured the other player, so not cool, Mac Jones. We don't like it. Uh, we'll move on to the defense and more. And this Andrew Whitworth stuff, we're gonna shut it down on this podcast. Uh, look, if if we're wrong, we're wrong. But we'll have more of that next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. As soon as I was talking about that final minute, I was like, oh, man, we got to bring up the Jermaine Pratt issue situation that I felt like it was a fumble, should have counted, but it didn't, didn't matter. They still won the game 22 to 18, which is just a wild score to think about. None of us had 22 to 18. Yes. First time it ever happened. That's so wild. Uh, you know, we always have prediction at the end of our podcast. I think I said like 27 to 17. So not not even close to that 22 to 18. Uh, but kind of moving on to the defensive side of the ball. And already talked about it that last minute. They obviously get the ball. They punch it out. And just unbelievable. Can we just talk about Lou in this defense again? They just always have another life. 
I wanted to go back to this when you, we were having the um, let them score debate. Lou's never going to do that, first of all, because he didn't do it for the Chiefs. <laughs> if you're not going to let the Chiefs score, you're not going to let anybody score. Like, that's the that's the end of it. I mean, maybe, maybe if you've given up like 45 points in this game and you just can't figure it out, let them score, I guess. But as long as Lou has life, I mean, the Patriots are still what in the teens of points. So, yeah, I wouldn't let them score either. You know, it's just we're going to play defense. And I know they were getting beat up a little bit on that drive, but we're going to toughen up. We're going to, it's going to get harder and harder for you to score as you get to the red zone. That's why red zone offense is its own situation. So the closer you get, the more these areas get constricted and uh, they're going to tighten up and play some good defense. And that punch from Von Bell was beautiful. I mean, perfectly punching the ball. I know those things look terrible when these guys miss and sometimes even get flagged because they like punch the player in the stomach or something because they're going for the ball. They're going for the ball. And that's what it looks like when you perfectly land one of those. So yeah, shout out to Von Bell, but shout out Lou Anarumo with another, just another defense carried in the end. And that's just, that's a little bit of the theme of the, of the team. It's this offense is awesome, but push comes to shove. This defense is what stands up. Did they have, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, did they have the timeout right before that? I don't know. Because I, I just I felt like they, because it was like first and goal. It was the first and one. Then they got the first and goal. And it was like, it just happened. I want to feel like it happened right after that. I could be wrong. The timeout could have been two I'm plays. Gonna, yeah, I'm going to try to look it up for you. So you're asking if they had a timeout right before the turnover? Yeah, because I, I, I wonder if that's what they talked about on the sideline. Because, you know, they're practicing that in, on defense. They're like, punch the ball out, get the ball out. They took the ball out of Mac Jones's hands. That pretty much told you what they thought of him. Like, this guy cannot throw. We're just going to run it right in. And did they? Timeout number three was right before a Ramondre Stevenson carry for two yards. And then it was first and goal. So they took the timeout on third and one. And then they got the first down and then the fumble happened. So don't think they're letting them score uh, when you look at it. Uh, that Maybe they had the discussion, but I'm sure that Luna Rumu is just such a guy that would just like, no, we're going to get this ball. Oh, no, I would never, ever think Lou would want to do that. My thing is I was thinking when I look back, I'm like, did they take that timeout right at first and goal? Um, and that's when they punched the ball out. But I couldn't remember going back if the timeout was two plays ahead. But, yeah, I just – Lou's never going to have that mindset. Um, it's absolutely insane to think that way. He believes in his defense. And we honestly, we should believe in this defense. You can go back to – go back to the playoffs last year, go to the wild card game, Jermaine Pratt, the final drive for the Raiders. I feel like the Raiders would have gone for two um, if they would have scored a touchdown and Jermaine Pratt stopped them right then and there. You go to the Titans game. You think the game is over. They get, they get a tipped interception. Uh, defense turns it around. You go to the AFC championship game. They find a way to get an interception in overtime. And right after the whole debate about how overtime is uh, whoever wins the coin flip, they yeah. get the turnover and win the game by lose after losing the coin flip. So, yeah. I mean, and and, and if, if they didn't get that flag in the Super Bowl and Logan Wilson, they're probably we're probably giving the MVP to the on the defensive side of the ball. It's just absolutely... I think I would have given it to T. I don't know if we've talked would about you... this. Two touchdowns. You... Yeah, I know you're. That would have been a fun debate. That would have been a fun conversation. Uh, but man, I, I don't I was I was feeling it right there. If Logan Wilson, which he did make the play, just didn't count that he made the play. Not going back to that. Yeah, who wins he, it? Who wins it on defense if you do give it to somebody over there? You give it to Logan. You give it to Logan? Jesse Bates had a pick. I feel like it that's the play, man. That's the play. Because they only had to stop him one more time after that. And I feel very confident in Lou to stop him. I know Cooper Cup's on the other side and he was the one that got the touchdown. But I um, guess if yeah, if he if Logan Wilson gets the pass breakup on Cooper Cup forces the fourth down and they stop him there let's say it's not an outstanding type play you know ball just you know falls short or something i don't know uh but anyway um yeah i could see logan winning it basically the santonio holmes uh win where it's like that guy just made such an outstanding play to win the game that yeah he's gonna win the whole thing same reason that uh joe burrow probably wins mvp if he gets that extra half second against jamar and now we'll stop talking about the uh super bowl yep, moving on the point is the defense always gives this team a shot. And I, I, I was speaking about the AFC championship game. You can go back to Sam Hubbard almost getting the ball in regulation to just end it right then and there. They they just always – that's why I feel confident about this team. It's kind of crazy if you think about it because we made it to Christmas and the last loss was Halloween night. 
And I've talked about it before on this podcast that I felt like the loss against the Browns felt like two L's. You lost Cheeto, your best player, and you lost the game badly to an AFC North team and you haven't won a division game and it looks pretty bleak. Maybe this team doesn't return to the playoffs. And if you would have told me on Halloween night, this team was going to win seven games in a row with a huge Monday night football game coming up, a chance to get the two or one seed outside. Hmm. I don't know about that this year when I, I was thinking about October 31st because that was that was bad. And just, you know, defensively, the guys that they do have step up, they, they deal with injury. They had Trey Hendrickson playing with a broken wrist out there, which is still insane to think about. Cam Sample has stepped up. Zach Carter gets his first career sack out there. Just different guys when it comes to free agents, draft guys, what they've been able to develop. Um, just been really impressed with with what we've seen defensively. And obviously that's a huge credit to what Lou can do. And that gives me confidence when you think of the Buffalo Bills coming to town, when you think they still got to beat Baltimore. Um, it's not going to be an easy last game of the season. You go into the playoffs. I just feel confident that, yes, this offense I feel is better than they were last year, but I do feel like they have the best defense on the AFC side right now. Yeah, uh, I mean, you think of the playoff teams. Patriots defense obviously is very good, although the Bengals were moving the ball really well against them. They still also only scored 22 points, and that's because the Patriots defense is good. Uh, Bengals defense is great. Obviously, the Chiefs aren't going to be in that conversation. I don't think the Bills are in that conversation with Vaughn Miller out. Dolphins definitely not in that conversation. They, they're they an offense team. Uh, I guess the Jets maybe, but I, I feel like – I would take the Bengals defense over the Jets. Maybe that's a homer take. And they might also just not make the playoffs. <laughs> the Chargers, no. Bengals defense. I'm just trying to go through the teams in my head. And then Titans, Jags, don't care which one you go with. Uh, I'd take the Bengals defense over that. And I'd take the Bengals defense over the Ravens. So I guess, yes, out of at least the playoff teams, uh, Bengals defense is the best unit. And arguably, I don't know if you'd give them the top offense, but they're top three, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And- and- yeah. Uh, uh, shout out. I just want to give one. Um, Cam Taylor Britt, again, he got picked on a little bit early mm-hmm. on. This is kind of almost becoming a Cam Taylor Britt type game where you get picked on a little bit early, then you step up at the end and you make the, you finish the game off with a pass breakup or something, good coverage type thing. He did it again where he got picked on a little bit. And then last play of the game, he steps up, swats the ball down, gets the offense into victory formation. Yeah, he's a beast out there. Uh, it's good to have him back. And then a guy who I just I've been really impressed with his rookie season. And we'll get to more individual players uh, later in the week when I go when you do more of the the film review. Uh, we'll do more of a breakdown on that. I, we have to talk about this because it's on social media. It's the offensive line situation. Lyle Collins, unfortunately, um, there was some optimism that those initial tests that he didn't tear his ACL, but then come to find out uh, Kelsey Conway did report when they got back to Cincinnati, they did the the MRI test and he does have a torn ACL and sources say it's going to be a seven month recovery, meaning his season's over in Cincinnati. And we've talked about him plenty on the podcast where it's been kind of an up and down year, but you want Lyle Collins out there, right? Tackle. Uh, That means Hakeem Adeniji is more than likely going to be stepping up in that position. I do think you still need a little more depth at the tackle position. Um, if you are without Lyle Collins, when you think about some of the backups, but maybe, uh, maybe it is that we've used Homer a couple of times on this podcast. Maybe I do feel that Homer uh, situation with the offensive line, but I believe in Hakeem Adeniji. Um, he's had experience at the offensive line last year, obviously played in a Super Bowl. It wasn't his best season. Uh, but I still feel like he can be a de- developmental piece when it comes to the tackle position for this team. And, and I'm optimistic of what we're going to see with him. Yeah. Collins, he just hasn't been there in past pro. It's just, you know, he's falling down a lot. He's, he's getting there and then not sustaining type things. He's been decent, different areas of the run game, different, you know, it's been variable, but, you know, he's been moving guys. So that's the big thing is that he's one of the biggest move. That's what you're going to miss the most with the Denigy is Collins' power and ability to just displace these guys on double teams with Kappa. And the other thing I think you'll miss is this offensive line obviously took forever, but it was gelling. And I think now you've got the one, you got to switch out the right tackle. So now right tackle, right guard might have a little bit of communication issues for a couple of games, who knows, or maybe right tackle doesn't hear the center call or misses a center call, you know, just the things that we were seeing early on when law Collins doesn't block Micah Parsons. And it's just like a communication breakdown. So hopefully it's not a lot of that, but that's something that 
come up. Um, I think those are the things you'll miss with Collins. But I don't think you're missing. I, I don't think it's that steep of a drop off in pass protection, which is going to be the most important area protecting the quarterback, Joe Burrow. Although these power runs to the right have been awesome, so we'll see if they can continue. But yeah, I'm excited to go back and watch. So I haven't been able to uh, just to see how Dennis looked. I know Pro Football Focus didn't like him. I thought live watching it was a mixed bag, but we will see uh, how it is when I go back and watch. Um, other than that, we can get to the Whitworth thing now. If this team was making any change at offensive tackle, I don't think Whitworth is in the top three people. And if it's my money, I don't think they're making a change at all because you think of last year and they didn't go sign a tackle and expect them to make some playoff run with them. I just – the Whitworth thing is crazy to me because I've heard him talk on podcasts and it feels like an – a very freshly closed wound in general. He wanted to stay in Cincinnati and they were offering him one year and kind of crap. So he, it took everything in him to leave. And then it felt like when he left, I've, I heard him on the Cam Hayward podcast when they mentioned coaching and other things, I think he said something like, I'd rather stay in Los Angeles where it's sunny. Like he doesn't love the cold either. He's a Louisiana guy. So you got to think about that too. Or, you know, yes, he played in Cincinnati. Yes, he can deal with the cold. Does he want to? And also it's a right tackle spot that's open, not a left tackle. You could move Jonah, but now you're making him worse by moving him to right tackle and also probably making him upset just to fix your right tackle spot when there are viable right tackles on the market in a way there's a reason they're also free agents so you know it's not like these guys are going to come in and be hall of fame level and the last thing that of my thoughts on whitworth are you have to be in a certain shape uh to play especially offensive tackle in the nfl and i don't think he's doing crazy lifting and stuff to stay in that shape to come out of retirement um i just i don't see it like i would be shocked if Whitworth came and signed with the Bengals, because also there's the minutia of he has to get out of a deal with Amazon and he has to get out of a deal with the Rams, who he is still under contract for. So the Rams have to waive him and the Bengals have to pick him up. It's, I don't see it happening. It's not going to happen. I feel a 99.9% chance that Andrew Whitworth is not coming back to Cincinnati. First, I thought it was a little bit of a joke on social media. And Me too. Then- that, it, but I tweeted it out, and I've got all these replies saying, like, it's not that far-fetched. It's like, yes, it is. What do you mean? Just because you can Photoshop his jersey back on him, which I guess you don't even have to Photoshop it because you have old uh, um, Andrew Whitworth Bengals photos. It's just, I just don't see it happening. Cincinnati doesn't work that way. And I'm not saying because the front office doesn't do moves. They've obviously done those over the last three years. Uh, It's just, they've they've moved on. And if you're Andrew Whitworth, hey, look, maybe you will want to come back. There are coaches who go into broadcasting who end up saying, I want to be a coach again. See Sean Payton, who will more than likely be a head coach next year. That happens. And maybe you do get that competitive bug back in you. But at the same time, your Amazon season one is going to be in the books on Thursday night. Don't you want to just enjoy a semi-regular postseason? Watch the watch it from home. Enjoy some time off. Get get that retirement life a little bit after uh, your first broadcasting season's over. And like you mentioned, the Rams stuff, the contracts. I just it it's just not going to happen. Um, I, I thought it was really funny at first, and then you know as you move on to twenty four hours later, it's like it me- stopped being a joke. It started like people just started believing what they were saying. It's like. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Also, just I, I I have not inspected him carefully, but these offensive linemen often lose weight pretty quickly because you have to eat and work out so much to stay at a smooth 300 pounds. Uh, if he's at like 280 or 270, that's that. what's he doing to put on 20 pounds of muscle real quick? You know, it's like he, he's getting on the, the Chris Hemsworth <laughs> workout plan, getting in the Thor body real quick. So you got to do that in two weeks, you know, the, the Chris Pratt or something. I don't know. I, I I saw Malik Wright mention one name that I thought was interesting, which was Brian Balaga, who didn't really – he was a little injury prone, and I don't think – I think he disappointed in L.A. He was a very good right tackle for the Packers before that. That one's more interesting to me. But my money's just on nothing. They're just going to roll with Adenogy, I think. Or if Adenogy disappoints, they'll flip it to Isaiah Prince. It's like they've got a few in-house options that I think they like. And just like last year, they 
role with the in-house guys. Last thing on Whitworth is if he was going to play this year, why wouldn't he have just played for the, the Dallas Cowboys when Tyron Smith got hurt before the season? And I'm sure there would have been less hoops to jump through and he would have been closer to playing shape. And it's in a warm weather and he's, you know, inside a dome, you know, like then the, and they'd probably offer him plenty of money to come out of retirement to go do that. But uh, he has that relationship with the Bengals. I just think that relationship's a little bit more fractured than the fans are letting on. I will just say this about Andrew Whitworth, amazing human being. We all know that did great things. Um, and believe me, I would love Andrew Whitworth on this team. He is a gym and absolutely amazing. It's just, it's just not good. I mean, I feel very confident in saying, I don't think this is happening. And I think everybody needs to be realistic. And I agree with you. Um, I don't really see another move happening. I will tell you this. Some, some people are tweeting this or I actually got one tweet about it on uh, Twitter. Jackson Carmen is not going to be the uh. right the right tackle he's not he has to be a worse option this is a this isn't a one in 14 team trying to see what they have in a guy the guy's done i don't want to be too bad about it the guy's terrible like he's been out there he's tried left guard he's tried right guard he's tried tackle he's been crap at all these positions stop trying to force it the guy sucks i said it i said it on twitter and normally i don't like to say things on social media that i don't have 100 percent confirmation on and i said that's over I said that's over. Yeah. He's on. He's a healthy Smith will get a shot before him. Yeah, he was a healthy scratch all season. That guy is not going to be starting for this team. Um, it would be another guy they pick up off the street. What's more likely, Andrew Whitworth or uh, Jackson Carmen? Oh my! Because <laughs> I'm like 99.9 percent sure neither are going no to be right just tackle. <laughs> they just, they're they're just eligible tight end on both sides. Who is it? <laughs> Mitch Wilcox, you're going to step up and be part of the offensive line now. Uh, no, Drew Sample I, comes back. That's more likely. I, and I don't want to be mean. Like I don't want to be mean to those fans who have those expectations that hey, maybe he could come back. It, it's I just don't see it happening. And then obviously, um, you know, always wish the best to Andrew Whitworth. And it's just that's just we're just reality over here. We're, we're giving you reality on this podcast that that is more than likely not going to happen. But I'm excited about Akeem Adeniji. Um, really hope that uh, he can really show up these last two regular season games and then hopefully a long playoff run. But uh, I know you it's going to be a busy week. I'm really pumped to talk about the Buffalo Bills game later this week. You're going to break down the tape when we get to tomorrow's podcast. So we'll have a couple more out before we get to game time Game time on Monday Night Football. What's up on – Um, it's always – Um, what's up on all Bengals? I was going to call it it's always game day, Cincinnati's uh, website. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Uh, so I didn't – yeah, because the game was Christmas Eve. I didn't have an article for Christmas Day just because I took that off. Uh, so there will be a film article up, probably not by the – Definitely not by the time you're listening to this because I haven't even been able to watch again yet because they haven't uploaded it. But, uh, you know, there'll be a film article up pretty soon. Uh, just keep your eyes peeled. I don't know on what yet, but, you know, film article. And I'll I'll stop uh, just talking around it. Two days off, Mike. Know. There's a few days off. And uh, <laughs> Christmas Day is one of them. I, I'm glad it's Monday Night Football next week for the first time because I would have taken New Year's Eve off. <laughs> New Year's Eve slash day off as well. But now that it's, you know, the Tuesday morning article, there'll probably be a takeaways next week, but none this week. Go check it out. All Bengals. Follow them on Twitter, Bengals underscore Santa. I'll have a great breakdown over on social media. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. Thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. <laughs>